Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm glad you're here tonight. I've got some important things that I want to share. I believe they're very appropriate for the time and the season that we're in. I believe it's going to help some of us personally, individually, to navigate through some areas of life and uh, to get on the right page with things. Amen. We always want to be on the right page with God, right? right? He's one person we can't afford to be on the wrong page with. You got that? Okay, now listen. I have become very, very aware of seasons. And I feel like this started about, I mean, I've always been very conscious of the fact that we go through seasons of life. We go through seasons spiritually. We go through seasons emotionally. Um, but just past, just about, maybe about a year ago, it started to become, I started to feel very, very sensitive to seasons. Seasons in relationships. Okay, I mean, even though if you're not sensitive to seasons in relationships, you can mess things up. If you're not perceiving where your, where your season is at in a particular relationship. Uh, some of us, you know, as we approach, you know, getting into our, 50s and 60s and stuff, you start realizing your season changed drastically. Maybe you became an empty nester, and all of a sudden now, you know, you're, you're, you're walking around this big house, uh, just you and your spouse, and, and all of a sudden now you're realizing, wow, things have changed. You know, you have, to, you have to change the way you cook. You have to change the way you do food shopping. You have to, you remember when people did food shopping? How many remember when people cooked? Okay. So, so, so you have to be sensitive to these seasons, otherwise we get bogged down and we could do damage to ourselves and damage to others when we're not aware of it. So the seasons, um, with, with every season, there's gonna be a, a special anointing. When I say anointing, I'm, I'm using a word that the Bible uses to express the presence of God on a particular time or on a particular person. Uh, you know, there's people that have special anointings, there's special way that God uses them. There's some people that God uses very strongly in specific types of healings, okay? It's almost like they're, they're specialists and you know, they have a ministry where uh, they are very successful maybe with people that, that are suffering with cancer. And then you may have others that are very sensitive and God uses them very strongly with opening up blind eyes and things and such, because you know that still happens, right? Because you know that God still heals people? Okay, I just wanna make sure I was in the right church. Um, and so we need to be very, very sensitive to the season that we're in so that we can, uh, I hate to use this word because it sounds like a negative, con- negative connotation, but we can take advantage of or we can be, make ourselves available to whatever specific anointing is on your life for that particular period of time, okay? Uh, let's, let's put this in the natural realm, maybe because I know I'm using a lot of uh, Christianese terms tonight, but just... Let, let's look at it this way, in the natural. In the natural, there's a season when, let's use for example, a young man is in high school and now they're in that season of preparation. Uh, they're not taking it serious because they really don't realize that the next season they go into is gonna require preparation. And, and so how many of you believe in those early years you may have missed out on a season that could have been a season of preparation? I'm the only one that's gonna be honest here tonight. Everybody else is like, well, I'll let him get out there on the ledge. Um, 
And so, so what happened? You see, when you didn't take advantage of that, and then you get to college and it slaps you in the face. And, 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 and in my case, to be truthful with you, I, I fooled around in, co- in high school. When I got to college, all of a sudden I took it very serious and I had excellent grades because I was paying for it. <laughs> and that'll snap you into the season right away, yeah. Because it's your money that's going in and you, you realize this teacher's working for me now and, and stuff like this, so you take it serious. So what did you do? You, trans- you, tr- you transferred or transitioned from one season to another. I noticed that when, when, it was, when my wife and I got married then, it was another very drastic transition. Um, you know, you're going from you know, being pretty much on your own, now all of a sudden you're responsible for this other person and, and you gotta share space with them and it's like you, you can't drop them off at night and when they get you mad and you know, I'll see you in a couple of days, stuff like this, you actually, you're actually there. You're with the person constantly, constantly. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble tonight. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. If we're not sensitive to this season, like have you, now, now I know this has never happened to anybody in this room, including me, but how horrible is it when a person is married in a relationship but they still want to act like they're in 12th grade? Now, I know we, nobody in here, but you, you've heard stories about people like that. You know, 40 years old and they're in there. So in the basement playing video games, because that's, that's nobody here does stuff like that. But what are we doing? That is an obvious sign, and I hope to God I'm not stepping on anybody's toes tonight. Obvious sign of a person who did not transition well from one season to the other. Can I get an amen? Okay. So it's extremely important that we understand that God has appointed seasons in our lives. And sometimes you'll have an, you can have an entire family go through a season together. Uh, you may have uh, a husband and wife go through a season together. Uh, you can have a church go through a season together. Like we're going through right now, we're going through a, a very, very, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A very active season of change and transition um, that, we, that we are gearing up for and preparing for. And God is just opening up one door after another, after another, another. There's so much favor. I, I haven't seen a season like this that we're in, and someday I'll, be, I'll have the freedom to share with you a lot more details than I've been able to up to this point. But uh, the last time I know my wife and I were involved in a season like this is when we first started this church over 20 years ago. It's just that season of like, wow, it's like, you, you know, everything you believe in God for is just like boom, 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 and just doors are opening and favors just pouring out and just stuff, everything's falling into place. And it's just, it's such an amazing thing to go through a season like that. Uh, after so many years of, of uh, not having, not, not that we never had favor, but you know what I'm saying, you go through a season and things are like, okay, this is good and it's good and it's good and then it's like, it gets very good, you know? And, and so we corporately as a church, and I, I hope you do consider this church your home, uh, we're gearing up to, to be in that season. Now the leadership here, we've been in that season for probably six months now, okay? But now the season is un- unraveling itself, and that, that's not a good word, uh, is starting to reveal itself in such a way where it involves everyone now. Everybody knows the secret now. Everybody knows that you know, we're gonna be planting multi-sites all over the state, starting with this area here. And our first one is in Bayville, and already doors are opening up for other ones that are gonna happen in very quick succession. So uh, you start praying, everybody pray, please pray. Okay, and please um, resist the temptation to be a spectator. Spectating is fun, but it's like, all right, after a while, 
But when you're in it, and when you're playing a part in it, and when you know that God is using you specifically to fill a specific role, or for God to use you to touch other people's lives, I mean, who would ever think that God would use this to touch other people's lives? You know what I'm saying? Most of us spent our lives so needy ourselves that you never even thought that God would use you to touch somebody else's life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I just, am I on my own here tonight? Uh, you understand what I'm saying? So just to have that, it's just a spectacular thing to know that God is actually using us to, to touch people's lives. And then on an individual basis, I know a lot of people that have been coming to me saying, Pastor, I don't know what it is. Like, over the past six months, I feel like something's been stirring inside me and I feel pulled in this direction. I, I feel pulled to, to start. I feel like my relationship with God has gotten closer and, and, and more intimate and I'm, I'm hearing his voice more. And I feel like there's a divine dissatisfaction that is rising up on the inside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about that one, that divine dissatisfaction? Uh, it, it, it's such a bittersweet thing because you, you hate the, the uncomfortableness of it, but then you look forward to it because you know, all right, God's up to something. When God's up to something, you know it's gonna turn out good. Are you listening to me? When God's up to something, no matter how uncomfortable it is, you know it's gonna turn out good. So, to me, Easter season, this, this season that we're in right now around the resurrection. And, and listen to me. Let me just throw this out first. You say, why are we talking about Easter? That was last weekend. That's the whole problem with the church. We live in little categories. We compartmentalize our lives. Okay, so Easter's up. 12 o'clock midnight, Sunday night, Easter was done. The Easter baskets went in the attic. The grass came out of the carpet. The chocolate, you know, half-eaten chocolate and rabbits there with the face bitten off are in, wrapped up in the refrigerator, so Easter's over with. And so we don't think about the resurrection now until next year. It shouldn't be that way. Do you realize that the early church, and everybody went, oh, God is going to give us a history lesson again. The early church lived and breathed and ate and drank the resurrection. That's all they talked about. Why? Because it was the most spectacular thing that had ever happened in history. And now here we are 2,000 years later, we go, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. They killed him. And three days later, he shows up again. What would that do to you? If one of your loved ones dies, and you have the wake and the funeral and the memorial service, and then the next morning he shows up at your house for breakfast. Look, what are you doing here? We left you in a box. <laughs> How would that change your life? Think about it. Now, with some of us, you go, please, I thought I got rid of them. <laughs> listen, I'm determined to be, to, listen, I'm determined not to be one of those guys that when my wife is done burying me, she goes, oh my God, now I can live. Do you know how many widows I've had to counsel like that? They're like, oh, I thought he was never going to die. You know, in a good way. You know, I want him to go enjoy heaven. Just, just go. Go enjoy heaven. Don't worry about me. We're good. Go enjoy heaven. Is this too real? But listen to me. Listen to me, okay? Easter, this resurrection season, to me personally, is extremely, extremely important. Because the first time I ever walked into a church full of crazy people like this was on Easter Sunday. 
1984. And I walked into that room and I didn't know what I was, what I had encountered. All I knew was there's something going on here that I have never experienced before. There's something in the air. There's something I'm feeling in my, in my chest. It was, just, it was like I walked into the room, it was like, poof. It's like something's happening. There's something real about it. These people are experiencing something I've never experienced before. I don't want to lose that. Now, it's going to be 34 years this year. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that simplicity. I don't want to lose that, that, I don't like the word to use, I don't like to use the word feeling, but I don't know what else to say. I don't want to lose that feeling of when you went to church, every time you left, you went, whoa, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that God, I didn't, I didn't know this about Jesus. I didn't realize it about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know this happened in history. I didn't know the Old Testament. You know what I'm talking about? That, that, another word I don't like to use, but that magic. Thank you. That wonder. That amazement. And so I think we really need to talk about the resurrection more and more and more all throughout the year. I don't think we should just put it away like we put away the decorations like at Christmas time. You know, by the time New Year's is over, you want to get the house back in order to get it back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal. The resurrection made our lives unnormal. And they should never be normal again. Are you listening to me? So what happens is this. If we're not aware and sensitive of seasons, and not even, if we're not aware, of, by the way, we're not going to finish this tonight. You realize that, right? Okay. If we don't keep ourselves aware of seasons, then you get stuck in ruts. And, and have you ever seen ruts? I'm talking about in a road. When we lived in Oklahoma, I don't know what it is about. When you get outside of New Jersey, uh, you know, when you get away from civilization, uh, <laughs> all the streets, you guys know what I'm talking about here, all the roads out there have these ruts on the side. And I'm like, what is, what is this, why? Even like, like in re- regular neighborhoods, you know, you got your driveway, your driveway like goes over this, this rut and sometimes it might, the sidewalk might extend over it, but there's a rut. There's a rut on each side of the road. And what happens in those ruts is stuff collects. Garbage gets in there, blows off the road, and goes into the rut. Water collects and stagnates in those ruts. We need to be careful to stay out of the ruts. And see, if you're not aware of seasons, and you're not looking forward to seasons, I look. I very much look forward to seasons. I look forward to two seasons. I look forward to spring and summer. I don't look forward to fall and winter. Don't like that. And then this year, well. But but you see, if we will keep ourselves very much aware, and constantly looking for the next season. Now I'm not. I'm not saying to be unstable, because there is a stability when you're that close to the Holy Spirit, and you listen. Okay, what, what's going on? What, what, what season are we in right now? And don't be too, too much in a rush to get out of a season, okay? You, you, you get out of the season prematurely and, and you miss the richness and the fruit that you were supposed to get in that particular season. But it's gonna require sensitivity. It's gonna require getting quiet. It's gonna require adjusting our expectations. See, because unrealistic expectations always lead to frustration. Somebody should write that one down. Unrealistic expectations always leads to frustration. Why? Because your seasons go in one way and you want to go the other. 
And guess who's going to win? If God's behind that season, guess who's going to win? And you usually come out like, because you got dragged into that season. You don't want to do that. We need to remind ourselves more than ever, now. Now, there's something about the now. There's something about an urgency that's in, in the spirit. There's something urgent. And you could just sense it in your heart. But we need to remind ourselves more than now that we have been created to accomplish great things for God. And there are a lot of people that are, that are skipping through life and they're accomplishing great things for them. And those people usually end up feeling very unfulfilled, very discontent, always trying to gather more, always trying to accomplish more because they're done in their own strength. We need to remind ourselves continuously that we have been created, listen to me, intentionally to accomplish great things for God. And with those great things, we also need to be realistic, with those great things come great obstacles and great challenges. And usually the obstacles and the challenges are within us. Do you guys realize there's a war that's going on? There's a war on the inside of us. And, and you can't sit it out. If you sit it out, you lose. You have to be active. You know what you need to fight against on the inside of you. You know the stuff in your heart that, that has the potential of pulling you in a direction that God does not want you to go. That's your war. That's your battle. Your greatest enemy is not the devil. The devil's been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've got his spirit living on the side of you, your least of your concerns is the devil. Your biggest enemy is that one that you see in the mirror in the morning when you brush your teeth. That's the one you've got to watch because he's devious. Subtle. Knows how to get around your mind. Knows how to get you to do things that your spirit may not want you to do. So, because God has such great plans for us personally and corporately, we cannot afford to miss out on the part that we're going to play by being distracted, being weary, or being preoccupied. I could think of five-year gaps in my life that just had no, no, no purpose, just stagnated. All of us can Entire blocks. Now, if you're 20 years old, you're like, I don't know, about five years. All right, so maybe two years. But, you know, when you start getting 40, 50, 60, it's easy to lose five years. Let that settle in. It's easy to lose five years. I don't want any part of our lives to have no purpose, to stagnate, to not bear any fruit. It's not what we were created for. And thank God he is a redeemer and he is a restorer. Amen. He can, bring, he can bring purpose back out of that once we turn around and repent. You know what we repent? Remember that word repent? Yeah. Repent. And you turn around, go in a different direction. Have a change of heart. Make up in your mind that you're not going to see something the same way that you used to see it. And so I want to bring you to a very familiar portion of Scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, cloud of witnesses, not, not cloud, white fluffy cloud, a cloud of individuals, witnesses, people that have gone on before us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, 
And let us run with endurance, endurance, say endurance. endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, and here's how we're gonna do it. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, not ourselves, unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, I talked about this last, last Sunday, last weekend. Who for the joy that was set before him, and we know that's us, we're the joy that was set before him. Because of that joy, that was set before him, he endured, there's endurance again. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary. Here's the warning now. Against the weights, against the sin, against the discouragement. Lest you become weary and discouraged. Where? In your souls. See, I don't know that our spirit can become discouraged. Our spirit has the Holy Spirit living in it. I think our spirit is sealed by the Holy Ghost. I know it is, because the Word tells us. But in our soul is where you're going to have to fight the battles. Soul is a battlefield. The soul is our mind, our will, our emotions. That's where you get in trouble. We wouldn't get in trouble if it wasn't for emotions. We wouldn't get in trouble if our will was lined up with God's will. It's we get in trouble when our will is contrary. That's that stress, that frustration. We want to go this way, God's going, no, you're going to go this way. That's where we get in trouble. So we can't afford to become weary. We can't afford to become discouraged in our souls. Because that's, that's what's going to determine whether we finish this thing strong or whether we wash out and finish as a failure. Now a weight, let's talk about this a little bit here. A weight don't mix up weights and sins. Two different things. A weight can be a hurt, a wound, a disappointment, maybe a betrayal that you suffered at some point in life. It can be a heaviness as a result of a, of a hard relationship. Has anybody in here ever been in a hard relationship? Because all of our relationships are pretty perfect, right? We're perfect. We just complement each other. We glow. We glow <laughs> when we're around each other. Here's another one that we very rarely want to work on because it's too hard. A weight can be an unresolved issue in life. It's such a pity when we see individuals, some of them may be close to us, that may be in their sunset days, still dealing with stuff 30, 40, 50 years after it happened. And, and what happens? They become discouraged, become wearied in their souls. And when you become wearied and discouraged in your souls, you stop guarding your heart. And when you stop guarding your heart, your heart starts, starts to become petrified, hardened, bitter, cranky. You, have, you ever seen any of them? Because nobody in here, you know. But you probably visited them in museums and stuff. It's such a pity when we see individuals that should be in the years of enjoying the fruits of their labors and having peace and contentment and the most miserable people to be around because they never bother to resolve issues, to grant forgiveness or to ask forgiveness or to just clear the air about misunderstandings that most of the time people couldn't even tell you the details of what the misunderstanding was about to begin with 
And yet, we can, use we can lose entire blocks of life because we get stuck. We see it a lot, it happens a lot with people that go through trauma at a young age. And sometimes, depending on what their trauma is, how it manifests, where an individual can get stuck at 16 years old, get stuck at 25 years old because of unresolved issues. Well, how are you gonna fulfill your plan that God has for your life? That's what it's talking about here. The lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, easily ensnares us. Why? Because it's an emotional, it's a soulish thing. And let us run with what? Endurance. Endurance. Not like this on the treadmill. Endurance. You know, break out a sweat once in a while. Put some sweat into it. Put some effort into it. Into what? Forgiving people. Put some sweat equity into resolving these issues of life. I remember quite a few years ago, coming back from a family event and saying to my wife, oh my God, after all these years I realized that my family operates on resentment. Everything is motivated by resentment. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me, I'm talking about us. Every decision that's made is based on resentment. Every relationship is based on resentment. Well, they did this to me. You've heard about people like that, right? Horrible thing. You can, again, you lose years. And the worst part is, you taint generations in the future. You literally set them up for failure because they're gonna start acting just like the parents did. And they start holding the same resentments. They don't know why. Just, we don't like that person. Well, why? I don't know. My parents didn't like them. My grandparents didn't like them. Resentment. Resentment will kill you. Boy, we're real lively here tonight, aren't we? You want me to talk about some flowery stuff and some really happy skip around the sanctuary stuff? What are we doing? We're trying to protect our endurance. You realize that endurance needs to be protected? If your soul is aching, how are you going to endure? The Bible says, I believe in some Proverbs, that the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in time of sickness or time of tragedy or time of calamity or time. In other words, when things get tough, if you're strong spiritually, you're going to make it. You're not just going to survive it. You're going to thrive in the middle of it. But when we allow our soul to become depleted, which is what this whole scripture is talking about here, Get rid of the weights. Why? Because they'll deplete you. You can't keep walking around carrying weights. Sooner or later, it gets old fast. You can't constantly have entertained sin in life, at least consciously. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to fail. We're going to fall. But I'm talking about intentional. You can't, we can't keep doing that. It saps life out of us. It's not a matter of going to heaven or hell. That's already been settled at the cross. But most of us fail to realize because, you know, we don't like to talk about the devil too much. I don't like to, I don't like to give him any more credit than what, he, what, what, what the world gives him. But we don't understand that sin is not even so much an issue between us and God because it was settled at the cross. Remember we talked about this this past weekend. God took all the punishment that you and I deserve. That doesn't mean you go out of here and do whatever you want. Oh, I'm so glad Pastor said that because, you know, that, there's a hot girl sitting on the other seat over there. <laughs> 
That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is this. The only, God's not the only person you need to be concerned about when it comes to sin. The devil is still around. Did you guys realize that? Okay? And sin gives an open door of opportunity for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in your life. And then we turn around and blame God. How could he let this happen? He didn't let it happen. You let it happen. He's trying to shut the door. You keep opening the door. You remember Jesus said on a number of occasions, go and what? Sin no more. In fact, the one person said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So obviously he believed that sin could open up the door for bad things to happen in life. And this is what this is saying here. This scripture is telling us. You've got to protect your ability to endure because it's going to take endurance to make it through this life. Have, have any of you realized that life is a little complicated? How many of you, like maybe closer to my season in life, realize it is so much more complicated now than it was when we were younger? And we thought it was complicated then. How many of you have had this come out of your mouth? Man, I feel so sorry for these young people in this generation. Man, they've got it tough. Life is crazy. I'm convinced that if people were to come out of the grave from 100 years ago, they'd go, uh, no thanks. <laughs> they say nothing like it was when I was walking around here. Now, again, remember this at weights. Weights, can, weights will wear, they'll wear you down. They weary you. They discourage you. So if there's, you have issues that need to get deal, dealt with, go deal with them. If you need to go to somebody professionally, go, go to some. Go whoever you need to get to. Get the stuff out. Get it out. Get it out. At least get it to the place where you can acknowledge it so then the Holy Spirit can come and work on it. All right, don't waste years, okay? God's got special things he wants you to do. He wants to use you in spectacular ways, and, and the devil just wants to keep you wandering. Don't do that. Do what you have to do. Get counsel. Get prayer. Come up here at the end of the service. We'll pray for you. Now, sin, on the other hand, is always a thought. It always starts with a thought. You realize that? Sin always starts with a thought. What did the devil do? The devil had to plant a seed of thought into Eve's mind. Now, obviously, he must have known what was going to work, because he knew exactly what seed to use. He played on the fact that she must have been talking about what she thought or perceived she did not have. Have you ever been around people like that? That always obsessing with what they don't have? That is dangerous. Because the devil is listening. I'm not trying to make everybody paranoid here. But you've got to understand, okay? There are three voices in our lives as believers. There's the voice of the Holy Spirit, which we should be very keen to listen to. There is our self-talk. And then there's the voice of the enemy, the accuser, the one who spoke to Eve. Be careful what you're saying. I don't say be careful in the sense of be afraid. Be aware of what you're saying. Be aware of the words that are coming out of your mouth. Words are powerful. Words send signals. Words release power. They not only release the power of God, because we know that the spoken word releases the power of God. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. You remember that? Okay. But it also can release the power of darkness. We release curse upon individuals with words of our mouth. Be aware, be aware of that. So, sin is always a thought or an action that is contrary to the will of God. Now, the biblical concept of sin 
is to miss the mark. Remember Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God, or some translations say God's holy standard. What is it? That's a mark. God has a mark for us, and he's equipped us to be able to hit that mark. We can, when we're led by the Holy Spirit, if we, if we give heed to the Holy Spirit, if we lean in the direction of the Holy Spirit, we will less and less miss the mark. We will more and more hit the mark. Okay, but it's a mark. It's a standard. It is a goal for us to reach. So sin is missing that mark, to miss the goal, to miss that target. And God's target is this, love God and love others. This is too simplistic, love God, love others. Jesus summed it up. He said the whole law and everything, the prophets are summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your strength, everything you have, and love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Sometimes we just go, yeah, 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 I know. No, no, he said this is the foundation. You can't just poo-poo it, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. That's the basic foundation, why? Because sin is always against God and always against others. Are you, are you getting this? Sin always manifests itself to be contrary to God and to be contrary to others. You're either taking something away from God or you're taking something away from others. You're either slandering God or you're slandering others. You're either withholding respect to God or withholding respect. That's how sin manifests. That's why love is so important. Everything we do has got to be rooted and grounded in love. Everything we do has got to come out of the foundation of love. Everything we do or we say or we think towards someone, our actions, should come from the motivation of love. When we do that, we tap into a, a level of relationship with God that's powerful. We can't say that we love God and we don't love people. It, it's like, it can't, it can't work. You're fooling yourself. So, again, I want to I repeat this thought because if we leave with anything tonight, I think this is the most important thing for us to leave. The whole reason that it, it's important for us to deal with the weights and the issues in our lives, the wounds, the disappointments, the betrayals, the areas where forgiveness is needed is because if we don't, they weary us. They drain the life out of you. We need to put away the sin because it ensnares us. It traps us. It, it, it puts us in a position for the enemy to come and have legal right to attack us. Okay? Now, the result would be if we watch out for all these things and we're careful to put them out of our life, that we will run our race with endurance. Because we're all in a race. You realize that, right? Every one of us is in a race, just because you're sitting there, you're in a race, we are in a race, every one of us, and we need all the strength, all the ability, all the anointing, the power, the presence of God, we need the Holy Spirit active in our lives, why? Because life is tough. But we're still called to run it. And it, it, you know, realize that you know, life is it's a marathon, it's long term. It's not this dash, and it's over, hopefully it's not. It's a marathon. And it's going to take endurance to run that race and to win. Paul tells us the cure. He gives us the tools we need to win. Looking, beholding, focusing on Jesus. You and I are not, listen to me, trust me. I know, 
I know. I know. People say, you know, do you still, like, you know, when you got to speak and stuff, when you have to prepare messages, do you still, yeah, I still, I still get like, I hope this is the one. I hope I can do this right. I, you, there's, some, there's some services, I'm dying a thousand deaths over there in that, in that front of that seat during worship. Because I'm like, man, I hope I, can, I hope I can do this right. I hope this is the right message. I hope this is going to help somebody. I hope I don't go up there and make a jerk out of myself. I hope I just, why? Because I want, why am I, why? say, well, why aren't you fighting that battle? Because <laughs> I don't want to win it. What are you talking about? I don't want to become independent. I want to be so dependent on him when I walk up here. I don't want to ever get to the point where I'm not, where it's not going to take vulnerability. What am I, I don't want to be a professional. I know sometimes I mean I talk eloquently. I talk, I talk. <laughs> but I want to be dependent on him. Because there's something about, I've learned this, when you keep yourself dependent on Jesus, that overcomes the weights. You realize what I just said to you? That overcomes the weights. It neutralizes the unresolved issues. It takes you to the place of even giving grace where there's sin. What does that require? It requires an intimate relationship. It requires being real with him. It requires stepping away and stepping out of religion. You know, I'm not going to get that much further tonight with this, but I do want to share this part with you. Last Sunday, last weekend, when I read the narrative in the beginning of the service, which was taken from all four Gospels, and pretty much the whole story of what happened from the moment the crucifixion started, you know, at 9 o'clock in the morning and, and all the way until Sunday morning when they found the empty tomb. And at one point, I said something. Every service when I said something, I'm like, man, did they, do they know what I'm talking about? Do they understand this phrase from the Gospels? And it says that when Jesus gave up his spirit, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I thought to myself, the visitors that are here today that are not familiar with the word of God, they're not going to understand what the heck does that mean? And what is it doing in the middle of the story? What does it mean, the veil? What veil? Well, for those of you that are not aware, in the temple, which was very much in service when Jesus was on the earth, and in fact, the very moments that he was dying on the cross, in the temple, they're slaughtering lambs so that their blood could be released and people could go home and celebrate Passover. So the very Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was being crucified and dying, giving up his last breath as they're slaughtering lambs not very far away in the temple. Now in the temple, it was designed in such a way where there's three different areas. In the first area, anybody can come in. In the second area, I believe it was only the men that can come in. And then this, the third area was the Holy of Holies, which only the priests can go in. Very, very sacred place. You don't go in there. That was so holy, and it was so reverential, and so filled with the power of God, that when the priests went in there, some of you know this, they would put a rope around the guy's leg in case he dropped dead in there. Because who's going to go in and get him? So they would tie a rope around it, and they would have on their, on their, their robes little bells so that when they're in there, and the bells are ringing. Now when the bells stop, you've got a problem. 
That's how holy this place was. Now, to stop anybody from entering into that place, they erected a veil. Now, you think of a veil, you think of a wedding veil. It's made of that real thin material. No, this veil, some, some historians say, biblical, 18, up to 18 inches thick, woven, 60 feet wide, 90 feet high. And the Bible says that at the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit, that thing ripped on its own from top to bottom, signifying, I'm not staying in this box anymore. Because to encounter God, you had to go to Jerusalem, to that temple, go through a whole bunch of rituals, washing, something's gotta die to get you in there. There had to be bloodshed for you to get into that area that you can only come so close, and that's it. And I thought to myself, that's religion. That's what that veil really represents, religion. That veil represented, religion is this, I'll let you get so far, but you're never gonna get in his presence. Do your rituals, light your candles, pray your prayers, follow your traditions, and so you'll start to look like something, but you're never gonna get there on the inside. Why? Because none of those things matter. What matters is his presence. His presence is what changes us. His presence is what brings us life. His presence is what'll take care of the weights and the sin. His presence will transform you. Not the rituals, not, well, I go to church every week, and we want you to. But I remember the days of thinking, if I just get there and light a candle, this should help. If I get there and bring an envelope, this should help. And it doesn't. It just lets us get so far, and that's it. When Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn in half signifying the presence of God now is available to his people. He is not in a box. He's not in a little gold thing. He's not, he's free to move and, and live among us. That's what you and I have to guard because the presence of God is what gives us the endurance to make it through this life, to run the race in such a way that we win. Did you, did you learn anything tonight? Did this bless you tonight? All right, let's come back next week and I'll finish up the rest of it, all right? Okay, why don't we all stand up? Let's pray before we go. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, the ability to be able to bring your word, Father, in such a way that you, Lord God, have revealed some things to us tonight. Lord, thank you for the things that I've learned here tonight. And I'm so grateful, Father, for each and every individual that's here that could listen to this. I'm grateful for those that will listen to this online, Father. And I'm grateful because your word never returns void. It always accomplishes what you sent it forth to do. And so, Father, we thank you that tonight our eyes are open. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you reveal to each and every one of us what are the weights, what are the obstacles, what, are the, what is the heaviness that's on our life, what are the unresolved issues, what is the sin that we may have allowed to sneak in, what is it? Because we want to run this race with endurance. We want to look upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We want 
nothing to be between us, nothing to neutralize us, nothing to drain us or to weary us. We want to walk forward tonight with endurance, kicking aside every weight so that we can accomplish the things that you've called us to, individually and corporately, Father. We bless you tonight. We thank you tonight, Father, for touching our lives and impacting our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.